right. I ran a survey some uh, weeks ago uh, of Nagariya that I asked them this question that if you could choose between, if you had to make a choice, if you're forced to make a choice between, you know, a great, very friendly team to work in, great team dynamics, etc., or a very well-known client with a you know interesting problem to solve and and very happy with you and very positive with you, or uh, a tough, challenging engineering problem, complex, you know, troublesome. Which one would you prefer? Hi, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. Welcome to Forbes India's The Daily Tech Conversation, where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs, and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on India. I'm Hari Arakli, and my guest today is Manas Fuloria, CEO which in this case means custodian of entrepreneurship in the organization of Nagaro, an Indian heritage software services company listed in Germany. In this conversation, Manas talks about the 13,000 strong product engineering company's future and his own entrepreneurial journey from apparel to education to software. Here's more. Okay, uh, Dr. Manas, uh, welcome to this uh, podcast. Uh, fantastic that you were able to make time for this. Uh, just to get us started, uh, for folks who are uh, probably not very familiar with Nagaro, and uh, I'll put myself in the in that category as well. Uh, tell us a bit about Nagaro. Uh, when was it started? I know you co-founded it. Uh, what kinds of services did you all start with? And maybe you can also talk about uh, what the company has evolved into today. Uh, sure. Uh, th- thanks, Hari, for having me. Yeah, I'd love to speak uh, about Nagaro and its history. You know, we are uh, we see Nagaro as like this uh, river that comes from many streams, and I represent one stream of uh, Nagaro, and other streams and other great entrepreneurs have joined us over the years, and they represent other streams of Nagaro, which uh, way of thinking is itself a little bit uh, unusual, but uh, there, there are lots of unusual things about uh, Nagaro. We are a software uh, company, so basically we are in uh, digital product engineering. That's what we started out with. Uh, uh, I, with. With software product engineering, let me say, it's gone more towards the making of digital products and digital services for our customers. Uh, we are about 13,000 people. We are, we, I think, in 26 or 27 countries and with clients in over 50 countries. I remember this. And uh, yeah, that's uh, fast growing, uh, listed on the Frankfurt Stock Exchange, uh, which is interesting. I think one of the few Indian origin software companies to be listed on Frankfurt, part of the tech DAX, which is the top uh, technology companies in Germany. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, working with some fantastic clients. And you know, that's the cool part of our job is that we get to work with the world's top uh, airlines, the world's top. Uh, lighting controls companies, you know, locking system companies, air, uh, you know, uh, flight path uh, planning companies for aircraft, or jet engine companies, or uh, you know, banks and uh, medical devices and uh, consulting companies, the world's top consulting companies. I think that's the cool part of our job. Uh, and as Nagara, we're trying to make all of these more successful with uh, digital products and digital services. Mm. So through uh, through the initial years uh, and uh, right up to the uh, listing as well, I think about a year back, uh, you spent much of this time in Europe, did you? When did you uh, come back to India? Was that because of COVID or uh, did you come back to India to lead uh, the work from here? 
No, it's uh, it's been interesting. I've I've uh, led the uh, so uh, as a smaller company, we had we had, we had a number of uh, co-founders. Uh, I at, for a long time I was uh, more involved in Europe sales, and uh, uh, you know, and before that I was in the US for many years. After founding the company, but actually working for another company for a product startup that we had as well. A supply chain product company, and sometimes I joke that the only reason Nagaro survived was because I was not with it for the early years. Because most of the companies I touched in the early years of their existence don't exist today. So, uh, but uh, but uh, you know we had we had great co-founders and we were always good friends as well. And we uh, kept uh, trying to build this out. I lived like about a decade uh, in the U.S. more than a decade in the U.S. And then you know in uh, Europe was more you know, a year here and a year there and some, you know, a lot of travel. Uh, I've been more or less based out of India since 2006, uh, barring a year or two in between, a couple of years in between. Uh, but of course, traveling a lot. I mean, in today's, uh, even uh, pre-COVID, you know, you could really work out of anywhere. And a lot of more modern companies do that. And uh, I think uh, after COVID, it's uh, even more intense uh, this aspect that you can actually be sitting anywhere in the world and and, and running a company listed in Frankfurt for example uh, but yeah that's that's kind of the history so uh, been in India for quite a while now uh, on the trot mm. and and the uh, list, listing in uh, Frankfurt uh, is that because uh, much of your customers uh, are from Europe yeah, part of it is that uh, we have, uh, you know, we work for Lufthansa, we work for Siemens, we work for the German Railway, we work for, uh, you know, all the major car companies out of Germany. Uh, you know, we so so we we are really deep in the German market, and we want to be really, uh, you know, uh, uh, the default company uh, for a an RFP coming out of the German market, and we will get there. I mean, it's not just the German market, but also the German-speaking market in Austria. You know where we work for the uh, telecom company and the railway and and the and so on, right? The lottery and, and so on. So, uh, but the the main reason was actually something more uh, prosaic and technical. So along the way, we had Nagaro had become part of a larger German group. Uh, almost in 2010 or so, we had uh, uh, a big German group step in. And uh, in 2020, we took it back out, uh, essentially. Uh, mm. And uh, since that other group was listed in Germany, it just made a lot of sense from a uh, transaction perspective to list in, uh, in on Frankfurt uh, or the Frankfurt Stock Exchange. So it was, a, it was a, maybe a combination of both, right? A combination of our uh, focus on g- the German-speaking market, but also on the uh, modalities of uh, the spin-off being easiest if we just did it in Frankfurt itself. Mm. And, and is there any significance to the name Nagaro? I mean, it's fairly distinctive. Yeah. So as I said, we come from many different streams. And, uh, uh, you know, when I and my uh, co-founders in this stream, Vikram and Vikas Segal, they got together, uh, we had different companies with different names. Uh, uh, and uh, the URLs were mostly taken, right? All the good URLs related to those names were taken. So at that time, uh, Vikas's wife, Minakshi, was actually reading uh, a novel by Robert Ludlum, you know, the one, the guy who wrote the more famous 
Bond identity and the Bond series. So this is one of his early novels. And in this novel, at some point, he just uh, throws out this word, Nagaro, you know, as though he's meaning to do something with it later. And he describes it as, you know, spirits rising in some strange, you know, unusual language, uh, tribal language or something. And then he doesn't do anything with it throughout the book. And uh, we actually thought at that time, this was like the uh, before the, the internet was completely uh, the source of all truth and verification and validation, we thought there must be a word in that that small tribal language that uh, this, this author knew about. And, and we liked the word and we called it Nagaro, which is spirits spirits emerging, right? And it's, it's meant to denote uh, dynamism and... Uh, vitality and so on and uh, but but uh, in all the years since then we have not been able to find the language that where that <laughs> word is so it's 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 our word now uh, we stole it from robert ludlum <laughs> all right uh, i know that uh, nagaro offers uh, many different services uh, to customers in multiple industries uh, i had a quick look at your website as well uh, but to your mind, uh, what is at the core of what you do at Nagaro? What's the underlying philosophy, if you will? Yeah, it's a combination of two things, right? Or, or two, two big, broad areas. You know, the first is really hardcore engineering. You know, we are we are just geeks by nature. You know, we are we are much more geeky than the typical company. We love technology. We love what we can do with technology. And uh, uh, you know, I ran a survey some uh, weeks ago uh, of Nagari. I asked them this question that if you could choose between, if you had to make a choice, if you're forced to make a choice between, uh, you know, a great, uh, uh, very friendly team to work in, great team dynamics, et cetera, or a very well-known client with a, you know, interesting problem to solve and, and very happy with you and very positive with you, or, uh, a tough, challenging engineering problem, uh, complex, you know, troublesome. Which one would you prefer, right? And everyone chose the third, <laughs> third uh, point. You know, so people just love difficult problems at Nagaro. So that's one part of, of who we are, the culture we have uh, managed to maintain. But the second part is about the nature of the company, the philosophy. And we have this word we call caring. It, it's actually an acronym for many other things. I won't go into it. But basically, a company that stays small and intimate as it grows larger and larger. And today, we are you know, uh, 13,000, 14,000 people. But we like to feel and act like small and intimate with our clients and among ourselves, an informal, non-hierarchical, entrepreneurial, meaning people... Uh, take accountability of what they're doing. And it's not a top-down culture uh, and global. You know, it's not a front-end, back-end kind of company. It's not a US-centric company. Some of these companies, you know, are uh, largely, you know, you go to their website and it looks like they're just Americans. Well, they might have more Indians in the company than Americans, but they will just have mostly Americans on the, uh, you know, on their website. Or you may go to a company which you go to the board and, and it's all Indians, right? And even Indians from a particular part of India. And, and you know, and uh, while it's a company that operates in internationally. So we don't want to build a company like that. We want to build a company which is not really American. It's not really Indian. It's not really German. It's not really Austrian. It's not really Romanian or Chinese or any other countries where we operate. 
and uh, that's the third part uh, you know that's a, i mean that's a key part of what we are trying to build so so it's the engineering cred on one side and on the other side it's this uh, nagaro culture that's very important for us hmm uh maybe you can uh, give us kind of the next level of detail um, a bit more specifics uh, in terms of uh, the services uh, that are your biggest uh, revenue earners and also the areas that are becoming increasingly important to nagaro's uh, future yeah sure so you know the 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 bulk of the work we do the majority of the work is still the the development of uh, uh, digital products and services right which we call product engineering Uh, but this is really the biggest part of the work we do and uh, another part which is really uh, big and growing uh, is uh, you know customer experience and uh, e-commerce and uh, that that area and retail uh, so so these are the two uh, big areas we also have a very competent uh, sap s4 hana uh, uh, practice which is uh, like one of the leaders in germany uh, and uh, uh, that that's something we are very proud of and then you know to a lesser extent we also maintain some software that we you know we uh, build and uh, uh, maybe once in a while software someone else has built but that's a relatively small part of our business so if i were to mainly put the, the two thirds of our business i mean uh, is uh, product engineering and uh, the uh, uh, customer experience and uh, e-commerce uh, type of business mm. uh, since you mentioned uh, how uh, everyone at nagaro uh, love to tackle hard uh, engineering problems uh, give us uh, two examples uh, of uh, you know some of the most sophisticated work that you have delivered uh, for you know some of your top clients i'm smiling as i as you say this you know it's actually uh, very often we can't divulge what we are doing but i i'll just say this right if you get on a plane uh, and your pilot says your estimated flight time is so many hours and so many minutes uh, the odds are that the complex system required to calculate all that and and deliver that flight plan is is uh, largely built by us if you check into a hotel room you know uh, around the world chances are very high that uh, you know locking systems are uh, have a we have a hand in the locking systems uh, if you look at the lighting controls for the statue of liberty or the white house or uh, ambani's house or you know uh, you know a lot of, a lot of the, the very interesting uh, uh, the taj mahal etc you know we we work uh, on the tech that makes sort of the lighting control possible uh, in stadia in in at wimbledon and and so on uh, if you uh, uh, if you take a very long haul flight with with the, uh, these very very long haul flights would likely have ge engines and uh, you know the the process informatics for the making of the the fan blades for example is something that we we uh, we do uh, and so on so so there is a lot of uh, different things that uh, we do that we can uh, just go on and on about right uh, uh, it's pretty cool work mm uh if you step back and look at uh, 
your industry. Uh, what are some of the biggest trends that you are seeing uh, in how your biggest customers are approaching their uh, software product engineering today? Now that would give us a sense of how the world of software services itself is changing. Yeah, so, you know, our customers are at different points on the journey of digital transformation, but I, uh, but I, uh, let me maybe give some examples of where I see, uh, uh, you know, great change happening. So one, of course, is AI, right? I mean, I don't even have to mention it, right? But, uh, you know, AI will be everything tomorrow, right? So it won't be just an offering. It won't be a part of, uh, uh, you know, uh, it won't be a business unit or division. It will be as ubiquitous as uh, your mobile phone. Uh, and uh, uh, we have great hopes from that whole area, you know, the, uh, the just AI, right? Uh, machine learning AI. The second thing which I am very, very enthused about is, uh, and this is more me personally, but it's about uh, experience, right? And uh, uh, the part which I'm, I mean, I guess it's a big theme around the world, but the part that I'm really enthused about is employee experience. And I believe that the uh, employee experience of our clients will get massively changed. I mean, just think about it, right? I mean, you go to Amazon once a week and Amazon tries to really understand, Hari, who are you? What, what do you do? What do you buy? What kind of person might you be? And so on, right? And yet most companies still treat their employees like, you know, widgets, right? There's no personalization. Even when they communicate, it's not personalized. It's just over-the-wall communication. Uh, and there's a lot that we are doing uh, now as Nagaro uh, for ourselves, but also uh, for our clients to be much more like an Amazon in how it treats its customers when we when we work with our colleagues uh, or employees, or but, but colleagues is the word we prefer. So, th so there's that big theme around experience, right? And uh, there's also this big theme around performance with data, right? So uh, it's still unfortunately true that a lot of uh, time and effort and argument is spent, uh, you know, just discussing uh, uh, various topics and initiatives uh, in the absence of real sharp data. So instrumenting organizations, instrumenting uh, the supply chains, instrumenting the partner network, uh, that's another big theme. So performance with data. And the fourth I would say is ecosystems, right? And uh, I think the everyone realizes that they will not be, uh, that the, the old boundaries of different verticals, et cetera, are blurring. And, uh, ecosystems will win, right? And not individual companies, right? So how do you build ecosystems? And, you know, just for example, you know, when I bought a gas cylinder on Bharat gas, uh, cooking gas cylinder, I got an Amazon pay uh, link, right? So that's in, that's part of an ecosystem, right? Or today, if you buy, uh, you know, a car, uh, if you go to, let's say, Maruti's site, right? I mean, you can, you can work with the banks, you can work with insurance companies. It's a, it's the ecosystem being created, right? So I would say these four are uh, four themes. Uh, if I had to pick the top four that are most, of most interest to me, AI, uh, of course, experience, and especially employee experience, especially with work from anywhere, especially in this whole uh, new COVID, uh, post-COVID age, 
the third is uh, performance with data uh, and uh, uh, instrumented in a much more detailed way than before and with a lot more uh, flexible insights triggers workflows conversations than before automating a lot of the what would otherwise be seen as uh, manage what management does uh, and the fourth is this uh, thing around uh, 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 ecosystems right uh, just building out you know greater and greater ecosystems i mean there are lots of other topics like security and so on but these are the four big ones i would say uh, that are top of mind for a lot of our clients hmm so what are the implications uh, of these four uh, important uh, themes uh, for nagaro uh, by that i mean what are the ways in which you have now begun to prepare yourself for a future where these four themes will become very important yeah that, that's a, that's a great question so uh, uh, it's very it's a very very deep question right so ai of course you know we have uh, built out a great uh, business unit but the next step is for the business unit to burst and scatter its seeds across the organization right so uh, uh, it it's it's of course working with different uh, different business units and all of that but we expected to actually burst and you know become the organization so it's the fastest growing business unit today but uh, in the future it will probably engulf the organization so that's one interesting thing uh, the second thing is that uh, you know the second part for the employee experience you know we have a, a business unit which we call the caring solutions business unit which is just now focused on employee experience and uh, and actually it is very closely tied with performance with data because these two things go hand in hand right so my point number 2 and 3 uh this business unit is taking care of uh, uh of uh, at least one approach to those because uh, ultimately organizations are collections of individuals right and uh, especially millennials don't want to work in traditional hierarchies and traditional structures you have to empower them with data you have to empower them and you have to guide them with nudges you have to build that whole infrastructure and that's part of their experience right it's not being you know treated like a typical cog in the machine but being self self serve you know in your organization having a uh, easy way to navigate uh, what you have to do and to do a great job and to get feedback and 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 in an automated way so that new business unit is going to drive our uh, focus in these on these two topics and it's such a cool area that for the last 6 months uh, i've been spending pretty much an hour every day at least uh, with this on building the stuff out right so it's so exciting it's it's really i feel like uh, i'm in a back in a product company kind of uh, phase with this it's really exciting uh, hmm. the third uh, the, uh, thing that we are doing which actually relates to the, uh, the fourth point as i said the second and third point uh, you know all fold into the caring solutions uh, initiative but for the ecosystem side we have realized that the traditional way of working of organizations uh, in these silos that hey you are uh, banking and i am automotive and there and she is entertainment uh, and uh, the other person is travel and so on it, it's it's uh, passe in some ways i mean it has some advantages but you have to really focus on collaboration uh, over competition and 
or transactions that are more formal. So we have uh, a management team, which is nearly 100 people strong. So it's a strong, large uh, uh, management team, which is on one uh, Microsoft Teams channel. And we chat every day and we are posting you know, jokes and, and, and all of that. But the advantage of that is that if we have a, an opportunity, for example, to put a banking solution in a car or to put an entertainment system in a car or to put a travel thing with your motorcycle or whatever, it, combinations, right? Multi-dimensional uh, combinations that uh, are about creating ecosystems, uh, then we can do that very, very easily for our clients, right? So that's the other thing that we are, we are also, uh, you know, uh, I think we, are, we do very, very well. What I hear about, uh, what I hear from people who join us at senior levels is that this stuff we do, uh, this last thing that I mentioned, we do better than pretty much anybody does in terms of just being able to string narratives together for our clients. Hmm. Um, tell us a bit more about uh, your own career. I mean, you've been an entrepreneur long before, uh, uh, you know, such terms or, you know, serial entrepreneur and startups uh, long before such terms became fashionable in India. Uh, what have been, uh, you know, some high points for you uh, that folks can learn from today? <laughs> I think, uh, Hari, lots of low points. And I think uh, each one of them left a lesson. And there's a lesson for, uh, uh, I mean, that I remember pretty much off the top of my head with each failed startup, right? So, uh, you know, coming from uh, an operations uh, background, supply chain background, I just got into the apparel fashion uh, supply chain by by chance and ended up building a factory that was kind of state of the art of apparel uh, manufacturing at that time. Uh, we had some cool concepts from Toyota and from uh, you know, yeah, some really cool concepts. But you know, in the apparel industry, realized that the uh, it's a very different world. And I realized that when the tide is coming in, you know, even the dead fish rise, right? So we might not have been as good a software company as Nagaro at that time as we were with the apparel company, but that tide was going out, right? So that was an interesting learning, a couple of other learnings associated with that. Uh, uh, over-reliance on one customer, for example, was, was, was a big problem then. Uh, did a lot of other things, a software product company in the US, uh, which actually sold seven-figure USD licenses uh, successfully, but had a falling out with my co-founder. And I learned from that, to never work with someone whom we don't trust implicitly. Uh, we'd spent many years on that, got to a point where we had, you know, attraction at the gap, at New Balance and so on, built a company from scratch, uh, worked like hell. And then there was a you know, co-founder falling out. Uh, did something in education uh, in India, uh, a business school, uh, a chain of business schools with a friend and learned that, the regulatory system in India is so messed up uh, as it relates to education that it's uh, very, very difficult for a well-meaning person to, uh, uh, I mean, unless you're very well connected politically or, you know, with lots of land or something, very difficult for someone to, to get into that. I mean, we're still doing it again with Laksha University, but this time with 50 or 60 uh, different uh, you know, individuals contributing, also corporates, contributing. It's a slightly different scale, but it's otherwise very difficult, right? So, so that was that. Yeah, just a bunch of different startups, right? And, and uh, lots of learnings. 
I think the key thing is that if your needs are modest and you're not really uh, someone who needs to spend a lot of money, and if you're, you're, you have the confidence that, hey, I could always get a job, a worst case, then you can keep at it. But it's not easy to do it, right? I and mean, I must say that it's not, at least in the time when I, I was trying to do it, uh, the banks wouldn't help. The, there was no, there was no one willing to invest money. Uh, I think it's changed a lot. I'm very happy for the young entrepreneurs of India today, uh, where money's chasing them around. And I, 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 I also support a few entrepreneurs. Uh, uh, but, but it's it's a, a very big different world today. Yeah? And uh, maybe the lessons of my time, Hari, uh, are no, no longer applicable. Maybe it's much easier today. I, I would say that uh, you know there would be some sort of you know fundamental bedrock uh, ideas learnings that would uh, you know stand the test of time. So so in that sense, uh, what, what what would be your top uh, advice uh, to today's aspiring uh, tech entrepreneurs? So uh, I think I would say go with a couple of friends. It's always easier to do it with a couple of friends. And the, it also keeps you grounded. I would say solve a problem that you are passionate about and that you really feel. And uh, keep in mind that not every problem that needs to be solved can be solved. And not every problem that can be solved and will be solved creates successful companies out of it. I mean, you see this, for example, even in uh, uh, in the payment space, for example, right? I mean, it's not necessarily that a problem that can be solved will necessarily create a successful company out of it. I think it can never be about the money because if it's about the money, then you are ruining your life. Uh, uh, it has to be about the passion. And I think a lot of young people today have the passion. And, uh, you know, if you don't give up, you can't fail because uh, failure happens when you give up. And it doesn't mean that you stick on to one idea and, 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 even when it's dead and keep flogging a dead horse. But I think that just uh, being able to, uh, uh, to just keep at the idea that you can build something out of nothing. I think it's fantastic. Entrepreneurship is really something sacred. You know, it's some, there's nothing exists and then you create something. And if, if that drives you, then uh, yeah, go ahead and do it. And I still remember I was, I took this entrepreneurship class at, uh, at Stanford uh, when I was there, and uh, at that time, uh, the, all these great people, the guy who founded Atari and and and, uh, and Steve Jobs, and all, all these folks came to give a talk. You know, Scott McNeely of Sun Microsystems, and and the the biggest message they were all sharing was, guys, just go out and do it, right? Don't overthink it, just go out and do it. And I think that was very inspiring, right? And of course, Stanford at that time was also a hub of all these startups. You know, you had Sergey Brin. One of my claims to fame is that I once uh, had Sergey Brin over at my apartment and, and made chicken curry for him. And <laughs> you know, it was crazy times, right? But uh, uh, but entrepreneurship uh, was so rooted in that in that context, right? And uh, that that uh, darza, if you will, that uh, status of entrepreneurs uh, as uh, uh, heroes, right? I think it's a it's a nice uh, nice way of looking at. Uh, creating value, right? Uh, and, and also always very, you know, always very low-key. I mean, so, you know, Scott McNeely would be there with his old jeans and T-shirt and and you wouldn't even 
be able to recognize him from uh, another person uh, just just very humble mostly very humble modest and hard working inspired entrepreneurs we got to see and i think that's kind of what i would i would also fold out as the model you know the narayan murthy model in the indian context for example you know, someone who's not we have a lot of flashy entrepreneurs today and i nothing against them but i think staying grounded is always a good idea all right excellent uh, very inspiring conversation sir and uh, a good first update for me on uh, nagaro many thanks again for generously making time for this and i definitely hope to keep the conversation going are it's a pleasure i hope i wasn't too preachy it's i, I can tell my age uh, i can see my age starting to tell but it was fantastic uh, talking to you and uh, yeah all the best uh, we will talk again sometime that was manas floria that's it for this conversation you can find all our podcasts at forbesindia.com and on your favorite podcast apps i'm hariyarakali thank you for listening